God's grace and his mercy and his peace are all yours through faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for his people tonight is our second lesson for this week from Colossians chapter 3. I'd just like to read the first verse with you again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And one more verse, bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Loved ones, a uniform is more than just clothing. I'd like you to take a look at a picture that's up on the wall, if you would, for just a second. Maybe one that you've seen many times before. It was taken in 1967 in Washington, D.C., and it's title is Flower Power, taken by a photojournalist by the name of Bernie Boston. The situation was this. There was a mass of protesters at the Pentagon ready to march on our military headquarters in protest of the Vietnam War. And as they got closer and closer to the steps of the building, the order was given to the 503rd Battalion of the Military Police to form a semicircle around the front of this crowd of protesters to contain them and keep them from going any further. As they met each other and came to a standstill, one young man who was protesting had a a fistful of carnations, and he started to put them in one by one to the barrels of of the military police's guns. It became kind of an iconic photo of the 1960s, and he was hailed as, as this young man who was full of, of courage and who, who made the decision to promote peace instead of violence and war. But I want you to think for a second about the unnamed man on the other end of that rifle. One who you can barely see, maybe not even in this version of the photo, but from others has the number 503, who was wearing a uniform. He was representing his government. His actions would be called the actions of his government, whatever he chose to do. And he stood there. And he did nothing. He wore that uniform, communicating to the whole crowd and everybody that was watching, not only do I have the backing of the federal government behind me, I have a gun in my hands and I know how to use it. Not only do I have that in my hands and know how to use it, I have the authority to do so. And here's the big thing that he communicated while he was in uniform. He did it with, his, he did it with restraint. As he restrained himself from even turning his gun around and hitting the young man with the butt of his rifle or yelling at him or saying anything to him, he, ex- he, he exercised restraint and did nothing and communicated to everyone around The federal government that I represent has lethal power at its fingertips. But we are here to protect even those who disagree with us. There's a lot more to wearing a uniform than just putting on clothes. When you wear a uniform, you represent the one who gave you the uniform, the one who stands behind you, the entity that is bigger than yourself. 
And that's what God wants us to keep in mind. I don't really care if you agree with my take on what happened in 1960s American politics or not. Just want to get across the point to you that, that God gives you a uniform. And he wants you to put it on. And when you do, you not only say something about yourself, but you also say something about the one who gives it to you. When you are wearing the uniform that God gives you, you get to represent Jesus. Therefore, God's, as God's chosen ones, you are holy and loved. You know, at first glance, the, it looks like the, the big difference between the, the uniform that, that God gives us and every other kind of uniform is that one is spiritual and one is, is physical. And there is something to that. God doesn't say that wool is more Christian than cotton or that, that uh, a cowboy hat is more Christian than a baseball cap. That's not his point here. He says this. In the same way that, that someone sees wearing boots, in a, that you might see wearing boots and jacket and pants and even a pack that has that pixelated different shades of green on and you say, there's a, sh- there's a soldier. So when someone looks at you, they should be able to say, there is a Christian. And here's what it looks like. Heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Here's the thing about the Christian uniform. I don't know a whole lot of people, whether they are Christian or not, that would say that anything on this list is a bad thing. They would say it would be bad to wear. Not one of the Mormons that I have ever met, not one of those who are opposed to the Christian faith that I have read, not one of my atheist cousins has ever said, well, a humble person never helped anyone. Never heard that. Nor have I ever heard someone say, kindness is bad. Or, or, you know what the problem is in our country? Everybody is so patient. We need people to be more impulsive. You never hear that. In fact, it's just the opposite. Every person in this world is born with a conscience. And, and we know what is good and we know what is bad. And we try to do what's good. In fact, our Mormon neighbors, our unchurched neighbors, my atheist cousins, are often better at acting like Christians than the first Christian that I know. Generous, kind, accepting, and forgiving. Has your conscience ever bothered you when people around you that aren't Christian act more Christian than you do? If the answer is yes, then that is to your shame. And if you say no, then I would remind you that the biggest sin of all is pride. (laughs) That brings up a question. If good Christian behavior is no different than any other kind of anyone else's good behavior, in fact, people that aren't Christians are are even, even better at behaving like Christians than than we are at times, then why does God waste his breath 
telling us to put on things like forgiveness and kindness and gentleness. Because being a Christian is not about how you behave. Being a Christian is about who you are. Being a Christian is about who God made you. And yes, that will affect how you behave. It will affect more than that. When someone is wearing a uniform, you, you, you assume that they've earned it in some way. If you see someone in a military uniform, you assume they've been to boot camp, they've gone through training, and maybe they've even been off to war. They deserve to wear that uniform. In fact, even somebody who wears a fast food worker's uniform earns it a little bit. They have to at least get their social security number right on their job application, and they have to show up and listen to the training and go through the training to earn the right to wear that uniform the next day but not this uniform about which God speaks. It is completely unearned. Were you listening carefully to the very first words of our verse for tonight? You are not called what you deserve to be called. You are not called what your sins deserve. You are called something else. Chosen. Holy, loved. You know, from day one of our lives, we are not wearing any type of uniform of a good person. We're, we're trapped instead in the, in the sewer of our sins and we, we, what we wear is our, our sin and the stench of that which is death and, and eternal death. We deserve hell. You were born into this world soaked in the gross stench of your sin with, with no spiritual power to change that at all or to do anything different. As for you, you were dead in your sin, the Bible tells us. And then Jesus comes into the sewer of this world and he picks us up and he presents us to his Father. And as he does, imagine this, God the Father saying, What is this? Oh, what is that smell? Is that pride? What is that stench? Is that, is that refusal to forgive after I've forgiven the whole world? Oh, what is that awful thing that I smell? Is that, is that self-righteousness? And, and Jesus says, yes, it is, Lord. Yes, it is, Father. And he lays us, lays it down, lays us down at the Father's feet as the Father says, I can't have any of that in here. I can't have any of that smelly, gross stuff around me. That, that can't be here. That needs to go to hell. And Jesus says, I know. And he turns away and says, that's where I'm going. And I'm taking it with me. And there we are, left before God the Father, perfect, holy, as Jesus walks away with the stench of our sin, to die on a cross, to go through hell for us as God the Father says, my God, my God, why have they forsaken me? And to take our death with him. You haven't earned the uniform of a good person with God, but Jesus has, and he's given it to you. You haven't earned the uniform of the saved, but it's yours by God's mercy and grace. 
That's the difference between wearing the Christian uniform and anyone else's. But when it comes to be good, being good for, for anybody else, their reasons are because they have to. I have to forgive somebody because I just won't be able to forget about it if I don't. I have to be kind to someone because then they'll most likely be kind to me in return. I have to be compassionate because it just satisfies a need that I have to help people. I have to forgive because, well, then maybe God will forgive me. I have to, I have to, I have to. I have to so that I can be happy. I have to that I could, so that I can be successful. I have to even, sadly, some think, so that I can be saved. Dear Christian, you do not have to wear the uniform of God's goodness at all. But I'll bet you want to. That's the effect that faith has on us. God's goodness changes us into people who want to do His will, who naturally have compassion, who can't help but being kind, and can't necessarily explain why. Why I can suddenly drop it when someone sins against me. How can I forgive? You don't have to be able to explain that the pressure is off of you to be good. You can just say, because God loves me, the pressure is off. I don't have to be good to be saved or even to be happy or liked. I already have all of those things in Jesus. But I represent him. When you talk with me, Every Christian can say to every one of their family, friends, co-workers, everyone they meet, everyone who sees them, when you talk to me, I want you to think of Jesus. You represent him. That's why we love. But you say, I, yeah, I don't always want to love. It's hard. As much as I have this new person in me that wants to love, I still have this old me, in, in me, that, old me inside that, that wants to sin, that likes to sin. It's not easy to love because the devil, the world, and our flesh want to drag us back into the sewer of our sin and take us with them to the misery of hell. And so God gives us two things, two things to fight that. He gives us his word and he gives us each other in his church. When we lived in New Mexico, we had some close friends who, who were um, married, but it was the second marriage for both of them, and they each brought a couple of kids to the marriage. In fact, they each had a boy who was the same age. They went through school. They were in all the same classes. Their lockers were always next to each other because their last name started with the same. It was an H, a Hubner. And when they graduated from high school, they both, en they both enlisted in the Marines. And this was at the time of the Second Gulf War. Both of them were going to boot camp at the same time and would be deployed and put into battle. It ended up they were about six months apart, but at that point I still asked my friend, I said, how are you at peace with that? How do you deal with that? How can you, you, you sleep at night when you have two boys that are just going off to war? And he said a couple of things. He said, First of all, he said, the good Lord not only watches over them, but over all the events in the world. And his will is always best. And he says, second of all, we have the best trained and best equipped military in the world. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. 
just as those Marines had the best equipment in the world as they represented our country in whatever fight came their way, you have the best equipment that you could ever ask for in God's word to fight the spiritual battles that come your way. The fight to be gentle. The fight to forgive. When the enemy inside of us tells us that you have the right to be selfish and you have the right to hold grudges. They're strong. But you have something stronger. You have given everything that you've been given everything you need to represent Jesus in this fight. And that's his word. In his word, you have the promise that no matter what accusation the devil throws at you, you are forgiven. In his word, you have the promise that no matter what temptation the devil throws at you, you don't need to give in to be happy. In his word, God has the promise for you that no matter what trial or hardship comes your way, you are not alone, that he is with you and he will help you. And in his word, you have the promise that you are chosen. You are holy. You are loved in the heart of God. And that means you'll live with him forever. That is why we read our Bibles religiously, daily. That is why we study the Word of God together. That is why we hear God's Word together when we worship. That is why we sing God's Word with all of our hearts when we worship together. Because by the grace of God, we have the privilege of representing Jesus. And through His Word, He gives us what we need. He makes us the best trained and the best equipped people in the world to do it. This is God's word.